Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You, and we have a great program today. We're going to be talking about the Feast of Rosh Hashanah. And you'll know that there are seven feasts of the Lord, beginning with Passover, then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. So we're going to be talking today about Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. And before we do, I'm going to give you a little update um, I just returned recently from the UK, and I was invited to present a paper at an organization based at Cambridge University, at the Wolf Institute at Cambridge University, and this organization is called ISGAP, the International, I'm sorry, the Institute for the Study of Global Anti-Semitism and Policy, and so they do their summer program at Oxford University. So I was invited to Oxford along with uh, Professor Diane Martin from Wheaton College up in uh, Billy Graham's alma mater in Illinois. And so uh, my wife traveled with me and uh, Tom uh, Martin, uh, Diane's husband, traveled. We had a great time. And the program went for uh, two weeks, uh, every morning from 9 o'clock until about 7 o'clock p.m. every night. There was a lecture every uh, 30 minutes throughout the day, and there were uh, academics, uh, both uh, Jewish academics from all over the world that uh, attend this summer institute at ISGAP. And it was just an amazing experience. Uh, we stayed in the dormitory at Oxford. And you know that Oxford is a college that's a thousand years old, and there's 40 separate colleges that make up Oxford University. So our institute was held at Pembroke College, and Pembroke is, I believe, the law school for Oxford. So my wife and I, we stayed in the dorm. The dorm's probably 400 years old. And our, our next sweet mate was Natan Sharansky uh, and his wife and his daughter and his grandchildren. They lived next door to us. And, of course, Natan was the Soviet dissident who was known as uh, one of the refuseniks in uh, the 1980s in the Soviet Union. He applied to make Aliyah to Israel. He's Jewish and wanted to go home back to the land. And the Russian government refused, and they wouldn't allow Natan and other Jewish immigrants to, to immigrate to Israel, and so he protested. And he was thrown in the gulag for nine years, almost starved to death in the gulag, and his wife appealed to the Soviet Union for nine years, trying to get him out, and then finally Ronald Reagan <clears throat> um, worked for his uh, freedom and went to Israel, kind of went as a hero and became the... Uh, Deputy Prime Minister later on of the State of Israel, just a really a super nice guy. So he he talked about you know global anti-Semitism. The Chief Rabbi of Dubai uh, was there at the conference, and interestingly, today I didn't know this, but the fastest growing uh, nation of the world for Jewish people right now is Dubai. 
they're, they're moving there because they're because of the Abraham Accords. There's this wide open door that's being open uh, to the Jewish world uh, to move into Dubai. And you can go to our Facebook page, Israel Team Advocates International, and we have a video uh, posted there of um, Jewish rabbis and uh, Arab men at a wedding, and they're dancing. And the you know the Arab men are in their their uh, the regalia, and the Jews are in their regalia, the long beards, the whole thing, and they're singing Jewish songs. And really, it's a prophetic moment because the Abraham Accords opening up all these nations that want peace with Israel. And the Bible talks about that, about a highway being opened up in the last days and a reconciliation between Israel and her neighbors. So I'd encourage you, go to the, our Facebook page, Israel Team Advocates, and you'll, you'll be inspired by, the, by this video. It's interesting that educational institutions all across America now are being funded uh, we learned at this conference uh, by radical Islamists that, that want to push out anything positive about Israel, anything positive about the Jewish people. They want to change the narrative and make these United States college campuses, uh, you know, basically uh, pro-radical Islamic. And so it's a very, very dangerous time on our college campuses in America. Uh, Dr. David Patterson was there. and He's from the University of Texas at Dallas. And David Patterson lectured about growing anti-Semitism on our college campuses in America. And after he was finished, I asked a question, Dr. Patterson, when will we cross the tipping point when we're going to see this, you know, anger and violence just rise in America as we we've seen in Europe against the Jewish people and he said Aaron I'm sorry to report but we crossed the tipping point about five years ago we, we crossed the point almost of no return in the rise of anti-semitism in America so we're really in dangerous times and I came away I wasn't somber but I was very sober by, by what I had experienced and, and what I had learned. I, I made a presentation along with Do- Dr. Diane Martin from Wheaton College. We, we presented on uh, the history of anti-Semitism. That was my section in uh, the world. And then Dr. Martin spoke about the rise of Christian anti-Semitism on college campuses in America today. And so, again, my presentation was on uh, the history of Christian anti-Semitism. And after I was finished, someone asked a question, a scholar from uh, Cambridge asked me a question, you know, why is it that Christian people cannot see themselves in the face of the other? And the question is basically, why can't you love the Jewish people as yourself? It's, you know, the, the commandment that Jesus gave, love your neighbor as yourself. It's also found in the Torah. And, you know, why can't you just love us without trying to change it? Why, why can't you just accept us as human beings? We feel like Christian people don't see us even as human. And so it was, it was a very pain-filled question, I thought. And, you know, Paul the Apostle says God loves the Jewish people in Romans 9 and 11. Paul says the covenants, the promises, the glory belong to the Jewish people. And I looked those passages up when I, when I got home. And, you know, that's in the present tense, that the Jewish people uh, are still beloved by God. He hasn't broken covenant with them. He hasn't uh, removed his promises and his glory from them. That's all in the present tense. And, you know, Christians, we say nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
But then when we talk about Jews, there's many Christians that say, well, you know what? The Abrahamic covenant has been broken. They've been eternally separated from God. God has rejected them. But that's just not true, according to both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if God's covenant with the Jewish people can be broken, if the Abrahamic covenant can be broken, then the New Covenant can be broken as well. The, the Christians celebrate the New Covenant w- with Christ. And so just encouraging you to know that, that God has not forgotten his people. God has not rejected his people. And so as you, as you pray for Israel, as you pray for the Jewish people, you know, I, I would say there's a lot of Christians that love the state of Israel, but they sort of diss the Jews and they, they push the Jews aside. And, and really there's coming a day, it, it says in the book of Zechariah chapter 8, that in that day and in that time, ten men from around the nations will grab the, the hem of the garment of a Jewish person and say, we must go with you for God is with you. And I believe there's coming a day when there's going to be a reconciliation uh, between Christians and Jews. And we're going to see our firstborn brother, the, the Jewish people, and, and we're going to embrace them, and, and our relationship is going to be restored. And Christian anti-Semitism, with the remnant of Christian Christianity, there, there's always going to be Christian anti-Semitism in the apostate church. But in the true church, and by the way, that the people that are pushing the BDS movement today, the boycott, divestment, and sanction, those are mainline denominations in America, Christian denominations that are trying to divide the land of Israel and actually declaring that the Jews don't uh, even belong in the land. They, they want to drive Jews from their home in Israel. That's happening right now with Christian denominations. And sad to say, because of that, because of the contempt towards the Jews, because Genesis 12, 3 says, if you <clears throat> have if you curse the Jews, God will curse you. And so God uses two Hebrew words for curse there. The first is arar, which means to wither and to become fruitless. And the second word is kalel for curse, which means contempt. So what God is saying is if you show contempt, if you delegitimize, if you treat the Jewish people with contempt, then you yourself will become fruitless and you will wither. And so that's what's happening in a lot of our mainline denominations today. They're becoming fruitless. They're, they're withering. They're like dinosaurs because they have rejected the Jewish people and they're trying to divide the land of Israel. <clears throat> but there's going to be a day when there's a remnant of believers, and I believe those listening to this uh, broadcast, I believe you're part of the remnant of uh, the future church that is going to stand with the Jewish people unto death. That, like like Ruth uh, said to her Jewish mother-in-law, Ruth one sixteen, whither thou goest, I will go. Uh, where you die, I will die. Where you're buried, I will be buried. Nothing will separate me from you. Only death will separate. That's total commitment. And Ruth said that to Naomi as they went back into Israel from Moab. They went back into the land, and it was during the time of harvest. So the Bible says the harvest is at the end of the age. Jesus said that. So as we come into harvest season, at the end of the age, uh, I believe that uh, there's going to be a remnant of Gentile Christians from the nations who will latch on to the, the hem of the garment of a Jewish person and say, like Ruth said to Naomi, whither thou goest, I will go. <clears throat> Nothing will separate you. I've heard that God is with you, and I'm going to stand with you unto death. So you can read these things on our Facebook page, some updates about uh, my trip to 
Oxford University to uh, present a paper about the rise of Christian anti-Semitism on college universities at Oxford University. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. So today we're going to talk about Rosh Hashanah, which is the feast that we're coming up uh, to right now. It begins on Sunday, September 25th through the 27th and leading up uh, to Yom Kippur 10 days later, which is the Day of Atonement. So Rosh Hashanah, Rosh means head, Hashanah means year. And so Rosh Hashanah is known as the head of the year. It's the beginning of the high holy days for the Jewish people. And Gentile uh, Christians, you know, the Bible says, you know, in the New Testament, we're not going to place all these laws over the Gentiles that are coming to faith in Yeshua, Jesus. Uh, But I would say there's great richness in understanding the feasts and embracing the feast. So it would be a, a rich thing for you and your family to start studying what these feasts actually mean, and, and you'll find so many connections to your faith in, in Yeshua, Jesus, in these feasts. So Rosh Hashanah is also known as the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of the Awakening Blast, the Opening of the Gates, and the Day of Judgment. And, you know, you, you read the scriptures in the Old Testament, sound the alarm, uh, blow the shofar. And so the shofar is the trumpet. And reading from a book by Rosenthal on the Feast of, of Israel, uh, he speaks about the shofar. And he says, Rosh Hashanah was often referred to as Yom Haden, Judgment Day, by the rabbis since it began the Days of Awe, the traditional time of God's judgment. Consequently, repentance has always been foremost in the Jewish mind at this time, beginning with the Sabbath before the new moon of the sixth Hebrew month and continuing throughout the month. The shofar is blown every morning after the uh, morning prayer service. It serves as a call to repentance and a solemn reminder that the most awesome holy days on the Jewish calendar are approaching. Both Jewish and Christian theology view Satan, Hebrew for adversary, as the great enemy of God and his people. In the Bible, Satan is often seen as in the role of the accuser of God's people. Jewish tradition teaches that on Rosh Hashanah, Satan appears before the Almighty to to accuse Israel as the books for judgment are opened. The ancient rabbis therefore suggested the traditional purpose for the shofar on Rosh Hashanah Uh, was to confound the enemy, the adversary Satan. So when we come back from the break, we're going to look further at uh, Rosh Hashanah, a very exciting feast of the Lord. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. 
Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God is building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section and you can give securely online be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book the casualty of contempt you can also mail your donation to israel team find our address on our website israelteam.org that's israelteam.org this is israel and you bringing israel and the jewish people into focus hey, welcome back to israel and you and today we're looking at the feast of rosh hashanah it begins September 25th, 2022. I would encourage you to uh, study what this feast is all about for your own life, your own family. It's, again, known as the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of the Awakening Blast, the Opening of the Gates, and the Day of Judgment. And some Christians will say, hey, you know what? Um, I, I don't need to really take any time to examine myself and see if there might be any wicked way in me. I'm, I'm under grace. But this feast begins uh, on, on Rosh Hashanah, it's the blowing of the trumpet, and it begins the 10 days of awe before Yom Kippur, which is uh, the Day of Atonement. And I, I like to say atonement is said this way, uh, at, at one-ment. So to be at one-ment with the Lord, I've got to be walking in, in his word, in his commandments. And so these 10 days of awe for the Jewish people is they examine themselves. I, I don't want to bring anything into the coming year, any old baggage, any sin that's in my life, hidden sin or sins against my, my fellow man if I'm not ethical or morally treating people around me. So it's 10 days to examine the life. And Paul the Apostle said, you know, when we come before the, the new covenant table, we should examine ourselves to see if there's anything in us that needs to be corrected. And so Romans 14.10 says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So one day you and I, if you name the name of Christ, you're going you're gonna to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone will. And will be judged according to our works. And there's a heresy spreading through America today. It's called antinomianism. Anti means against. Nomi means law or commandments. So antinomianistic pastors and leaders are saying we, we don't have to repent anymore. We're not under law. We're under grace. 
So we reject any need to repent or to examine ourselves. We're all under grace. And another heresy is called Marsonianism, and which is rejecting all the Old Testament commandments. One popular megachurch pastor recently came out and said uh, to his congregation, he said, we do not have to practice the Ten Commandments. All that's under the Old Covenant. We're under grace. So he's rejecting all of the commandments of God. And so what we're moving into in, in America is a Christianity that's really apostate. There's no responsibility, no accountability. We're under grace. They say we're not under any obligation to practice the commandments of God. And Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? So it's not just a matter of believing. It's a matter of doing. And also, Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not a jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then John fourteen fifteen says, If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to them, to him. And John fifteen ten through twelve says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And so what I believe is, you know, there's a lot of Christians that name the name of Christ, but somehow they believe in antinomianism that uh, I'm not under any obligation to follow any of the commandments of God because I'm under grace, not law. Uh, but their, their lives are miserable. They have no joy. And w- why? Because our joy is complete when we're not just believing in Jesus, but when we're obeying Jesus. And so there's a big difference between believing and obeying. So Yom Kippur is 10 days after the, um, the, the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, and it is the Day of Atonement or the Day of Uh, at one with God. And remember the rich young ruler, he really wanted to be at one with God. And he came to Jesus and he said, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And Jesus said, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So what he was saying to the rich young ruler, you can enter life right now. Your life begins when you start the life of not only believing, but doing the commandments. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And the Bible says the young man went away sad because Jesus said, um, go sell all you have. Because the young man said, I keep the commandments. And Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. You're, you're you know, probably bound by your wealth, so go sell all you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. Why did he go away sad? Because he was not willing to obey Jesus. He wasn't willing to follow his commandment. And so, you know, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, if you walk in my commandment, your joy 
will be full. So did the young, rich young ruler, did he believe? Yes. Was he at one with God? Was he in harmony with God? No. He was out of fellowship because he was breaking the commandment. So many Christians believe, but they're sad. And it again, it is because they're not in harmony with God. So it's not just a matter of believing. It's a matter of doing. It's not just a matter of knowing. It's a matter of obedience. So during these 10 days of awe, I really encourage you as we blow the trumpet, as Jewish people blow the trumpet all across the world, celebrating the beginning of the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. I really pray that, you know, this is a time when the, the adversary is just, who's accusing you is, is uh, blown away, you might say, and uh, you, you come out of whatever thing that you're holding on to, if there's a secret sin, if there's something in your life that you know is ethically or immoral, that you, you examine yourself and you come before the Lord and say, Lord, I bow the knee. And if there be any wicked way in me, it's a great time of the year as you know, we prepare for Yom Kippur. It's a great time of the year for a, a time of repentance and bowing the knee to the Lord. Uh, I read a paper last week by a scholar uh, named Mark Kenzer. The, the paper's on final destinies. And here's what he says. In what does it mean to be saved? Volume editor and Regent College professor John Stackhouse points to an evangelical misunderstanding of salvation that he sees as an endemic and worldwide issue. And here's what John Stackhouse says. In his gracious but penetrating response to the essays in this volume, Oxford professor John Webster wonders whether it is particularly North American evangelicals who need to be reminded that the Bible presents salvation as offering more than getting souls to heaven. My experience of teaching soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation, for several years at Regent College, an international graduate school of Christian studies whose students come from 35 countries on every continent except Antarctica, leads me to think that evangelicals far and wide also need their horizons expanded. Over and over, students have betrayed an understanding of salvation that amounted to a sort of spiritual individualism that is little better than Gnosticism. In fact, we could make an important start simply by teaching that salvation is not about Christians going to heaven. Salvation is about God redeeming the whole earth. Salvation is about heading for the new Jerusalem, not heaven, a garden city on earth, not the very abode of God and certainly not a bunch of pink clouds in the sky. And salvation is not only about what is to come, but also about what is ours to enjoy and foster here and now. According to Stackhouse and his colleagues, says Mark Kenzer, evangelicals too often view salvation in negative terms, what they are saved from, and as forensic, individualistic, private, and pietistic, and spiritualized. The authors argue that salvation should instead be viewed primarily as positive, transformative, communal, relational, cosmic, and embodied. We would also consider uh, salvation is prominently dealing with the nations, particularly the nation of Israel as, as God restores Israel in the last days of time. So consider your salvation. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about the Lord transforming your life in this life 
as you follow the commandments. It's if you've truly been saved, it means I'm I'm walking in right relationship with God. I'm at one with Him. I'm walking in right relationship with my wife, my husband, and my children. And I'm treating my neighbor with respect. I'm even treating the Jewish people with respect and honor. And so these are great days, 10 days of awe, to examine your life and sort out anything that you may not want to bring any baggage into the coming year. God bless you, and happy Rosh Hashanah Feast of Trumpets. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.